Pastor Billy, it's so good. It's so good to be in uh, Hawaii weather. Uh, last week weekend, I was in temperatures that were the low was 16, the high was 43. And so, for this Hawaiian boy to be preaching and ministering in those kinds of environments, and then they want to go tour the city, they want to put me on a college campus where you're walking outside, say outside. It was freezing, say freezing. But I survive. If I look a little stiff and it looks like a little rigor mortis is upon me, you're right. I'm still thawing out. Um, ten years ago, Faye and I were putting together our trust to prepare a legacy for the future. What would we leave our children in terms of material possessions, finances, and all those things that go with building a trust. And it, it got me thinking as I was reflecting on that, because that's what old guys do. You start pondering and reflecting and thinking about what you're going to leave behind so the generation behind you can have a better life in the future. But it also had me thinking to a time in 1998 when I was speaking in Hong Kong and ministering there, that I shared with the Chinese people that the greatest desire that I have is that my children would receive a legacy from Faye and I about the importance of sharing the gospel. Because materials and resources are earthly and temporary, but the gospel is eternal. And so Jesus said as much in his last words to his disciples and by extension to all of us. Um, before he ascended to heaven. See, we start this morning by reiterating this. God declares that we are to be a witness throughout the world. There's nothing greater on his heart than that. That we be a witness throughout the world. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, among his last words, and Jesus' last words has everything to do about taking the gospel everywhere and to everyone. But in one of these statements in the book of Acts, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he has given us gospel power to leave an eternal legacy, not just an earthly legacy, but the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ that tells us how to come into eternal life because there's a life far beyond this earth that will end. In Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 18, we are told what has to happen. Here is what it is. People everywhere, say everywhere, not just in Hawaii, but everywhere. People everywhere must hear and believe the gospel. So let's take a look at that text. The Apostle Paul is saying, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not everyone will be saved. It's everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom, of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, the great prophet, says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? 
Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, say all the earth, all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. And as I was as I was walking through 19, 20 degree weather, 30 degree weather, looking at the University of Reno, I thought, this is the end of the world. <laughs> no, one, no one this skinny should be walking in weather that cold, not ever. Something's really bad when you're trying to talk and breathe and all you see is clouds coming in front of your face. All right, so everyone, everywhere, say everyone. Everywhere. All right, let's break this text down. What is it telling us? Uh, lots of things. But let's glean some things here this morning. To be saved, people must believe the gospel. God loves everyone, but he requires a response of faith from everyone if they are to get to heaven. And so this cultural belief that God loves everyone and everyone will go to a better place is false. The Bible is clear. To be saved, people must believe the gospel. But to believe the gospel, people must hear the gospel. Right? As I said three weeks ago, my mother made sure that she planted the seed of the gospel in me as soon as I was cognizant. And that seed, although it took a while, eventually germinated and bore fruit when I was at the University of Hawaii. And I heard the gospel again where I was more mature and responded with a belief in the gospel and a surrender to Jesus. So to be saved, people must believe the gospel. To believe the gospel, people must hear the gospel. To hear the gospel, one must be sent to preach the gospel. So there was a campus minister on the University of Hawaii who preached the gospel clearly to me in a way that I could understand it, and I came to faith in Jesus Christ. And on January 1974, I began my walk with the Lord. I heard the gospel in 1973. I believed in the gospel in October, of, on November 1st of 1973. And I began to walk in the faith of the gospel on January 1st, 1974. That's a ton of information. I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there going, I'm old. You're older. Brother, you old. But something about older people we can reflect on the lessons that the gospel teaches us, the lessons of the journey of faith. And I realized something that I've loved Jesus and walked with the Lord now for nearly 50 years, 48 years. So as I preach to you this morning, it's with great joy I can tell you that it works, that the Word of God works. If we let the Word of God, not the Word of man or culture or trend or media, if we let the God, Word of God work in us, we'll see amazing things God will work through us. Now, the Great Commission, Jesus said to go into all the world, make disciples. He said, preach the gospel to every creature. So that's combining Matthew and Mark, Matthew 28 and Mark 16. The Great Commission is a commission to all of us, and it's meant to be global, not just local. We're part of the larger family of churches called the Every Nation Family of Churches. And the motto is every nation in our generation, but allow me to say also, it's not just every nation in our generation, it's every generation in every nation. And sometimes in Hawaii, we get very local 
but we are not too global. And yet, God has put almost every kind of culture here in the Hawaiian Islands to remind us we are called to reach the larger world. Take a look at this service. I mean, I just came from Reno, and it's either white or black, mostly white. I was in Tahoe. That's pretty white because there was a lot, it was snowing, okay? So I'm walking in snow, and I thought to myself, in Hawaii, we have every culture, every ethnicity, and we are reminded that we are called to go to every nation and not just think small or local. And Jesus' plan for all of the, for this to happen, for the gospel to go everywhere, is to plant churches. The church is the hope of the world. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build my program. He didn't say, I will build my nonprofit. He didn't say, I will build my business. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, meaning the church is to go everywhere. She is to be, the bride of Christ is to be, take the offense and be aggressive, and churches need to be planted everywhere and anywhere, in every way possible. Through as many people as possible, in as many ways as possible. This is why Pearlside exists. When I planted this church 28 years ago, the Lord made it clear this is to be a church planting church. I'm going to grow you and give you size so that you can train and send and plant churches everywhere in as many ways as possible, through as many people as possible. So we are not here to be big. We are not here to be comfortable. We are not here to be popular. We are here to train, to send, to be generous, and to give away, and to plant locations, to raise up pastors and planters, to train them and send them throughout every place on this planet. Can you say amen? And by the way, you're part of the journey, and that's why you're here. You're not here because of our big chairs that are so comfortable. You're not here because of the world-class air conditioning endorsed by the state government of Hawaii as being one of the premier anti-COVID environment, indoor environments. There. That's not why you're here. You're here to be part of people that are generous to create a legacy of the bride of Christ multiplying everywhere. So let's take a look at it locally as we bring our series to a conclusion and we call ourselves to action. We just planted earlier this year, we turned a site into an actual church, Pastor Key and Chanel Omo. I believe we have their gorgeous picture up here. Let's take a look at this. All right, here they come. Here they, wait for it. Okay, there they are. Since they became a church in March, the church has grown. The church has grown financially. The church has grown uh, numerically. The church has grown in excitement. Because there's something when a child is pushed out of the womb and now has to fend for itself. We want to still support them because you know how that first year is uh, very important. We have the first year birthday party, but they're, they're doing just fine. Tremendous. And they already have a couple locations uh, happening. One is here. That's led by Mike and Terry Joe Lafaele. And they're tr it's, a, it's a place where they train football players in skills. And they've turned that into a location and site. And so Michael has learned to preach. He's a former University of Hawaii football player. And so they're reaching young people and their families that are football players. Yes, 
in some of the leading uh, schools in the state of Hawaii, and now they're extending. Those students are going to college on scholarship on the mainland, playing at places like Wisconsin and Notre Dame. So the gospel is going out into North America, and that's just through Kaneohe. And then they have another one because they have a location, a kind of a microsite, a gathering on the marine base. And as they are deployed, they want to take the model of a relational discipleship church to the mainland. And so you start by Zoom and you inculcate our resources. You and I are a part of that. That's the legacy, folks. That's what you leave behind. And so they're very excited. Now, let's, let's move on here. We have Nanakuli. This is Moku and Sierra Kukonu. That's a really rough-looking brother, yeah? Former uh, Kamehameha. He couldn't make it into Farrington, so he, they, Kamehameha took him uh, into their location. So he went to the upper campus. Uh, just joking, obviously. Moku is bivocational. Now, a lot of these guys starting what we call our gatherings or our smaller sites to begin with, they're meeting monthly, or in Nanakuli's case, they're meeting twice a month. He's bivocational. By day, he is a construction guy. He has his own business. He can build homes. He can fix homes. He can renovate homes. Very gifted businessman. By night, he goes into a phone booth, puts on a cape, and becomes a pastor. Bivocational. Jesus was a carpenter. Paul was a tent maker. He was a builder. And although they had every right to salary, they chose instead to model the fact that it's an everyman call to share the gospel. So bivocational is actually the pattern of how things start in Scripture. And so Moku and, and, and Sierra are doing a great job. They're averaging about 70 people, but they're meeting twice a month now, going about to go to three times a month with favor in one of the schools there in Nanakuli, the gateway to the West, as they say. So that's Moku and Sierra. Be praying for them because they're slowly ramping up to be a site. What is a site? We become a Pearl Side location when we have weekly, the weekly word, the teaching, Weekly worship and weekly giving financially. Once that happens, it goes from being a gathering to an actual site of Pearlside. Truth of it is, already, that's our definition. The truth of it is, people are getting saved and baptized as we speak. So God is doing something already in an organic stage. Now, let's take a look at Mililani. And this is Liko and Nikki Cruz, bivocational. Liko works on a submarine by day, goes into his phone booth and puts on a cape, and at night turns into a minister. His wife Nikki is in the financial industry, and they're in Mililani, and that thing has kind of grown pretty quickly, and they're at about almost 100 people. They meet monthly, and they're already reaching new people, new people that would not come here. They wouldn't come here but they will go because it's out there. People go to places that's near them where they can invite people. And so we're extending the reach there. And then there's Liliha. And this is Kevin and Mari Asano. Kevin, this is also bivocational. He is 
in the financial industry as a financial planner, and also he has about five judo judo, uh, dojos. Uh, Of course, if you're the silver medal Olympic champion, uh, and you're a legend, and you're in the United States Judo Hall of Fame, um, you know, you have some props, don't you? And so he's using these judo clubs, one in particular in Liliha, to be the base for sharing the gospel, and so they have about 72 people coming, people, some of which would never come here, but are coming to the Lord there. That's why we want to plant everywhere in as many ways as possible. The day is over when you can just have one location and say, well, just drive through our wonderful traffic, won't you? And we look at Scripture. We want to plant and extend and expand in as many ways as possible, through as many people as possible, in as many places as possible. It's called saturation church planting. We need a church on the Big Island. We need a church on Kauai. We need to look at the neighbor islands, and we need, we need more than one. We need to be able to see in our church, God has given us young people, young couples to train and to send and to give away, and that requires finances. And so as we move forward, we also look at nationally. Right now, Mark and Ruth Young, uh, they have a place in uh, Tacoma Community College. But they're using a pub. Everybody say pub. So they've been, they've been gathering on Zoom. And then once a month, they meet at the community college. And I said to Mark, I said, Mark, the key is to consistently gather. Because when we look at the Bible, Jesus didn't define church by size. But it's just Jesus defined the church by gospel. And so now they're going to meet in a pub and meet weekly so that people can bring people weekly. And once a month, they'll go to the community college. But as the gathering weekly in the pub grows, and it is growing, then they'll be in the community college weekly. So this is our latest stamp in terms of being on the mainland. But here's a second that's in formation. Now, this is Mark and Jessica Klein in Los Angeles. Um, What's kind of really interesting, they were helping Pastor Tim on the mainland. Well, they have prophetic words to be church planters. And they've gone through a lot, and now they've relocated to Los Angeles, started a small group, but first phase is they're just trying to get acclimated. Mark is from L.A. Jessica has lived in L.A. for 10 years, so they're familiar with the very challenging terrain. We have a prophetic word in this church that we're supposed to plant in Los Angeles and have that church plant other churches. And so we are working with them. I was on the phone with them yesterday or two days ago, just tracking their progress, gathering people by Zoom. If the pandemic gave us any gift, we can use Zoom to gather people. That's how Tacoma started. 50 people showed up online. Now 50 people are showing up in person as the seed of the church Jesus wants to extend and expand out of Pearlside. We get to be a part of all of that. And globally, in Bangkok, we just sent out Corey and Sonia Alimaza to Bangkok. They're already gaining traction as part of a second church we'll have in Thailand. In Bangkok, that will be pastored by Tarn and Marissa Liu. We won't show their picture there today, but they just left, and we truly, let me, let me tell you, whenever we give people away, 
we've invested in, we miss them. You know what I find out? They don't miss us. <laughs> like when I give my daughters away, they don't miss me. They don't, we, we want them to miss me, right? But you, you raise them up to give them away. Who gives this daughter in marriage? It's the father who says, I do, or her mother and I do. And a great church, and I believe God's called us to be a great church, trains, sends, and releases for a legacy that exceeds the generation we live in. Say amen. Okay, come on, say amen, because we are that older service here this morning. One mature service here this morning. Um, God's got a call for us to impact the nation of Japan. Interestingly, we have an economic tie to the land of the rising sun, but spiritually, prophetic words have said out of all the places you're going to impact, there is a great uh, legacy I want you to leave on this nation that has a great need for the gospel, one of the most unchurched nations on the planet. And we just sent a mission team there that was met at the airport with a, 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 a moment that looked like this, because Japan was closed for so very long. As soon as it opened, the very next week, because Pastor Billy, Pastor Russell, Vian, our lead campus minister, had trained and was ready to go, not relaxing to stay. As soon as Japan opened, they went, they hit the window, and they immediately they dropped on campus and began to lead people to Jesus. There's something about Japanese people that listen to Hawaii people, and they won't listen to their own people. If Hawaii people will share the gospel with them, they receive the gospel. If their own people share the gospel with them, they don't listen. It's the missionary factor. And you would say, arguably, it's the Hawaii factor. Isn't that true? You know, uh, we have a legacy there. Pastor Scott Dama, the, one of the largest churches in Japan, is our church in Japan, pastored by Scott Dama, Naomi Dama. But they were always concerned about a successor, and they have a successor. They're looking at how we've transitioned generational leadership and taking lessons from us. And their successor, his name is Skek. He's half Colombian and half Japanese. Wow, that's like a Yakuza connection. Yeah, Colombian, Japanese. And he's got that edge. He's a real sketchy guy. And I first met Skek in 2007 when I did some ministry for Scott there in Yokohama. Uh, yeah, and I, I thought, Skek. Sketchy, right? I mean, yeah, he was, and he was, he didn't know the Lord yet. And then a guy named Billy Lyle went over to minister and he got saved. Love Billy, he says, wow, if that's a Christian, then maybe I could be a Christian. This is what Skeg said. And so Billy Lyle, Pastor Billy, our lead pastor here in this main congregation, Pastor Scott always tells me, I thank God for your son-in-law because of that we have a future legacy because he will take over the church. And they're in the beginning of that process right now. See, that's why it's important that we go everywhere and anywhere with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that's, that's, that's powerful. But let me tell you what else has happened. Kevin Asano, the guy I showed you up there. Well, Kevin has real favor with the Japan Olympic judo team, which killed at the last Olympics. Nobody touched them. They just body slammed everybody around the world. So they have real impact. I guess who's discipling the most prominent, powerful, skilled judo player or judoka in all the world? Kevin is discipling him. And so he now led his brother to the Lord. This is all by Zoom. Some in person, but by Zoom. 
And so Kevin and I were talking. He says, well, let's play this forward because, you know, some of his family, they want to go be missionaries in Japan. Let's play this forward. I said, do you think maybe we could create a gathering on Zoom and plant a church in Japan out of the Olympic team? How's that? Because that's what you're doing here. And with Kevin, you don't have to say stuff twice. Because anything that guy puts his mind to happens. But you have to be able to see it in your mind before it happens. We need to go everywhere and anywhere and, and look for as many ways as possible to extend the gospel. And all of us can go as all of us sow. And we bring it down to this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 11, Paul puts it this way. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully, and each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good Every good work. As it is written, he says, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So we close our series through the worship of giving above and beyond the tithes today. This whole series has pointed to an application, an action of faith for you and I. We sow, what is this text saying? We sow at the level of faith and generosity, not fear and scarcity. You know, people talk about, well, you don't understand, Pastor, there's supply shortages. Let me tell you who owns all the supply. It's not the government. It's not the elites. It's Jesus. And as long as we keep our eyes on him and live according to, live at the level of the faith and promise in his word, there's nothing we worry about. I know people when Y2K happened, I remember our church was young in the year 2000. I had everybody coming up to me, you got to have dehydrated food, you got to have this and this and this, and you got to buy guns because the, the electrical, the, the technological grid will collapse. Man, I mean, I, I, I had a young, we, had a, we were a young church and we were being deluged by every kind of fear. I just looked at our church and I said, we're going to trust God. Now those people are trying to sell me their dehydrated food. And now pe people say, we've been eating some of that stuff for years now. And they got guns and bullets. And you know what that does? That means you're taking everything into your hands and you're God. Because a spirit of control is tied to a spirit of fear and scarcity. And where there's fear and scarcity, there is not faith. And therefore, God does not move. I just need to say that right now because we're hearing that narrative over and over again. Okay, people hiding out on the docks and things like, stop that. Stop that. God is sovereign. He is our provider. He is an amazing God. And if there are strategies we need to take, he will speak it to us. Okay, just I don't know who needed to hear that, but I thought I'd share that. So to the degree we sow God's blessings, to that degree we reap God's blessings. The more we reap, the more generous this cause calls us to be, because he will. You cannot outgive God. The more generous we are for him, the more generous he becomes to us. It's called the, the cycle of generosity. 
But here's what the Lord says. You go first. People all say, I'll be generous if God gives me a lot. It, it doesn't work that way. God always says there has to be the trigger of faith. You go first. I say, Pastor, how do you know that? 48 years of walking with Jesus. That's how I know. He will never fail you. But we have to live to the level of the promise of his word and not to the level of the promise of our fear. And the word of God challenges us. You know what that does over 48 years of walking with the Lord? It gives me a heart of gratitude and worship. That God is faithful. He is faithful to his word. That he always honors. You know, we all get up to, when it comes to preaching, serving, acts of kindness, youth outreach community, so everybody says, yes. And, and sometimes when pastors, they have to teach about money, everybody goes, that's not us. Jesus talked about finances more than any other subject except love because he knew people were trying to turn away when it comes to that. Listen, many of people's breakthroughs are tied to generosity if they'll just trust him rather than hoarding. Giving is meant to break the spirit of hoarding. Faith is meant to break the, spear, the spirit of fear. I was just for a few days with my very good friend, Pastor Darren Laws, there in Lake Tahoe, where it was so freezing. But he has a home there that was virtually given to him. It's worth three and a half million dollars. Um, this is he and I. Okay, let's, Katrina, let's hold that picture. Uh, it's a multi-level home of over 3,500 square feet, uh, not too far from where Joe Montana, Diane Feinstein, all these people lives on West Lake Tahoe. West Lake Tahoe is where all the rich people live. You go up down the road a little bit, Sebastian Stallone, all these kind of people. And how does he have a home there? Well, this is the latest of the blessings. But let me just say this, that he has the home there. And I, I was there. And we hung out there processing life because he transitioned his church to his son, Samuel. Last year, I, was, I had the honor of being there for that. Um, because somebody heard that he had a vision to have a home to refresh ministers, church planters, missionaries, um, pastors who have gone through a lot, and he just wanted to have a home that would be a ministry. So a businessman said, um, I have a home, and I'd like to give it to you for $1.1 million. Well, the laws had seen their stock investments multiply incredibly in the last few years, so they had most of it, but they needed $300,000 more Businessmen and others heard about their vision and just gave the money to them. Now they own, no strings attached, property worth over $3 million. That's the latest act of generosity. Let's turn the clock back a little bit. I know I've shared this before, but bear with me. Darren and I planted our churches at the same time in 1994. We've been dear friends actually for 37 years. Our journeys have paralleled each other's. In 2011, with life set in ministry and set for life financially, they felt a call to just divest everything and empty themselves and plant a church in the Bay Area, the most difficult area, one of the most difficult areas to plant church to plant churches in and one of the most gospel-resistant areas in America. It, it was always a dream. He shared it with me when it was in his 20s. And he looked at me, he says, I'm in my early 50s now. But he said, Norman, what do you think? I, we need to obey God. I said, well, Darren, your wife has uh, MS. 
And that's got, that, unless God intervenes, that'll get worse. Your mother has cancer. Your father has ongoing arthritis. And you have a son with cerebral palsy. Are you sure? And he says, well, if I looked at circumstances, I would just not do anything. And I said, he said, this is what the Lord put before me. And I've got to do it. I said, I agree. But you asked me the question, so my job as a mirror to you was to put out the obvious to make sure you process faith intelligently. And so they did. They got rid of everything, went to San Francisco, and someone called them and said, we've been watching your journey from the time you planted the church, and we have 20 acres off the freeway in San Ramon. For, for you to understand where San Ramon is, that's like where... It's kind of like right nearby where Steph Curry lives. You know who Steph Curry, the basketball player? So, okay, it's not Mayor Wright's housing, okay? It's, it's a freeway. And I remember being invited there. I took some of our pastors there. We looked at 20 acres. There's some retirement apartments on it, 12 acres for the church parking lot and a building. And he said, we were just given this for free. And I'd like for you to talk to the pastor who's giving it to us to make sure he's on the up and up. And the guy is 6'6". Six, six. Why is everybody so big? Okay, Darren is almost 6'4". This guy's 6'6". Six, six. We're having dinner, and I'm sniffing him up, and he's sniffing me up. He's telling me, can I trust this guy? We've been watching him for years. I thought, well, you know, I'm having this dinner because he wants to know if we can trust you. And I'm 5'5". Five, five. It turned out real well. They were given the building for free. They planted a church with the, with the building and a parking lot and for free, and the church grew over time. Last year, he, he, he felt it was time to transition the church to his son. Three months before that transition, another pastor and denomination called Pastor Darren and said, we've been watching you, and we've been thinking that these 68 acres in Northern California is out of our purview. We've been looking for someone to gift this to as a legacy. We've been watching you, and we think it's you and Brave Church. So I'm there again for the transition. I actually don't know much until I get off the plane. And they go, Norman, sit down. We, we, i got to tell you, this transition's come with extra baggage because my son's now going to be over uh, 20 acres plus 68. What's that? 88 acres. Millions of dollars. And I am overwhelmed. I'm thinking to myself, it's not fair. Give us a few. <laughs> and um, I remember laying hands on Sam, uh, Dr. Gary Bershears, uh, um, just an epic theologian in the body of Christ was there. And Gary and I are looking at each other. We're thinking, oh, my goodness. God was watching. Through it all, Pastor Darren's dad was getting worse with, can uh, with his rheumatoid arthritis. His mother, who had been managing blood cancer, was slowly regressing. His wife Tracy's condition with MS was slowly regressing. And in the latest reiteration, Tracy's mother now has, has broken out with full-blown dementia and Alzheimer's. So while it's overwhelming battle, it's overwhelming blessing, but overwhelming generosity. Because the laws kept giving their lives away. I land there this time. 
And he goes, I have another story for you. I went, <laughs> and it's the story of this house. I walk into the house. I'm sleeping in a big bedroom. I'm looking at the multi-stories, the snow outside, Lake Tahoe, all right, Joe Montana down the street. And I'm thinking, God, all you've done in the midst of pain and adversity is rewarded this couple with generosity because they have been generous. And everything they do is a legacy for the next generation. They want to leave behind the resources they never had. They had a, a, an ounce of it when they planted, but they gave it all up to say, God, we're going to go to San Francisco. Oh, by the way, I forgot one more. Sorry about that. He said, oh, in addition to the house, we would just been given a $23 million property in the middle of the city of San Francisco in the glitzy area. It's only an acre. You got San Francisco is expensive, but it's got a church building, a multiple-sized church building with a parking lot nearby. And, and they said the same thing. We've been watching you for years to see who we can give this to. Our pastor just died, and we would like to give it to you, Pastor Darren, Samuel, and Brave Church for free. See, now that's, 80, that's 90 acres and millions of dollars of inheritance. In 2011, they had no retirement, Darren and Tracy. They gave up all their savings and sold everything to plant a church in one of the most difficult areas in America. And I just sat with them. I just wanted to cry. Because his wife's getting worse. His parents are dying. His son has cerebral palsy. And he looked at me. He says, Norman, this is why you're here. I just need to talk to somebody. He says, it's overwhelming blessing. An overwhelming battle. But this I know. I'm in the middle of the will of God. And God has blessed Tracy and I with incredible legacy. And I wanted to add to that, we were eating breakfast in this cool place. And all because you chose to be generous. God is always watching. And He's always watching to see what we will do with what we have. Not only for our generation, not only for our locality, but with the world in mind. The gospel is to go everywhere and anywhere to everyone. Every nation in our generation, every generation in every nation. And we can go as we sow. So Father, we close today.